0: Welcome to Movie Maniacs, discussing the greatest movies of all time. and all the new films and theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us. Rate us. Share us. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chuck Curran, alongside my partner, Kenny B. This is uh, Movie Maniacs, our weekly radio podcast radio show heard on WO, uh, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, every Saturday night at midnight. This is a program where we talk about the wonderful world of motion pictures, Television, pop culture, anything that intertwines—lots uh, to talk about this week. Uh, our top ten list at the end of the program, which we always do, will be since it's back to school for most of the country at that at this point. Some went back uh, a few weeks ago, some went back just last week. I guess a few more go back this week. We're going to do our top ten movies that take place or intertwine with uh, schools, whether it be high school or college, which I think should be a pretty fun uh, subject to uh, dwell into. Without further ado, here's my co-host, Kenny B. What's on your mind, Ken?
1: Um, well, good. First of all, hey, uh, nice to talk to you again, Chuck. Um, yeah, talking about back to school, I uh, noticed a bunch of dolphins out there uh, on the beach this week, and they were in school. So must be back at the school for the dolphins as well. That,
0: that is, you know, when you said that, the, the movie Day of the Dolphins, Georgie Scott uh, popped into uh, my head, but a low-key joke to start the uh, program. Uh, Interesting week we just came off, uh, just right off the bat, 8.5 million people attended uh, last Sunday's National Cinema Day, which was up, I think, like 9% from the year before. That's where uh, the ticket price was lowered at all, basically, just about every movie theater in the country that wanted to participate, which is, I think, like 90%, even a lot of the independent films went in on this uh, National Cinema Day. I think the difference this year, Ken, was that ticket sales were four bucks a pop to get into the theater, where last year was uh, was uh, $3. Um, again, you know, this this story, I think this year is, is, is again, it, it's been, a uh, couple things: one, that people have somewhat rejected uh, the male action-oriented uh, movie. Bobby has become a national phenomenon, along with Oppenheimer. But Bobby's now at almost 1.3 billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it was just announced that is the biggest selling, uh, in terms of dollar amount, biggest movie in the history of Warner Brothers. In, in reflection, that's almost hard to believe. And the Alamo Draft House. Uh, announced that Barbie was the be- biggest selling ticket-wise movie in the history, surpassing Avengers Endgame. Uh, if somebody told me that Barbie would, would outdo Avengers Endgame before, a week before it was released, I would have said, are you out of your mind? But again, these things are unpredictable. Why things hit a chord with the American public or the worldwide public uh, is really an unpredictable thing, but in this case that's the way it played out.
1: Yeah, and it, you know it's a phenomenon, and uh, you know it's gonna. I think um, I think maybe we saw a, a an aspect of that uh, with the news this week about you know that living Barbie, Taylor Swift. But uh, people are. Um, it's it's strange what people will go to the movies to see.
0: Yeah, here, here's the thing. Now this weekend, which is Labor Day weekend, we have the opening of the Equalizer Three. Now, what makes that movie interesting in the career of Denzel Washington? Uh, the only two sequels that he has ever made is Equalizer 2 and 3. Of all the body of work, of all the things that he probably could have sequelized, the only sequels are uh, 2 and 3. This was getting somewhat of a spl- split reaction. Uh, nothing really negative. The people who like it really dig it. I like this franchise because I love Denzel Washington. As I said many times on this program, the thing with the this franchise, the first Equalizer. Uh, I, I thought it was the, the character scenes in the first two movies are excellent and well worth seeing for that. Uh, the action sequences are good, but I don't think you really need the big villains in this uh, franchise. I think it would be better if it was grounded more like the TV show. You don't need the epic action stuff in the in the the, the the gotta top it off in the in the third act. Having said that, I did like the first two. I think they're sort of different films. This one takes place in Italy. I know a couple of people who went to see it told me they really liked it. So, uh, Equalizer 3, this Labor Day weekend, tracking around a $30 million opening weekend in its first four days, because Labor Day will be a big uh, movie day. That would be a solid movie for a R-rated movie that has a production cost, I believe, around $70, $75 million. It was also announced, which was a big story, that Taylor Swift, which you just mentioned, who has uh, an ongoing concert tour this season, which has done phenomenal. It'll be the biggest concert tour. Concert tour. In the history of concerts surpassing uh, Elton John's uh, retirement tour, probably more than doubling it, uh, expected to do about $2.2 billion in ticket sales for a concert. Now, it was, also, it was announced, speaking of movies, that the concert was taped as a documentary uh, and it's called the Eros Tour. And will be in theaters on October, I believe, 6th, October 16th. Uh, there's different stipulations. One for theaters that book it, and all multiplexes will. Multiplex well. Four week booking, one show a day, I believe that's the terms. And the ticket price, can for an adult, $19.89. Uh, I think that's the year she was born $19.89. I think kids are like thirteen dollars and change. Uh, it did, from what I read, thirty-seven million dollars in advance ticket sales in day one. Yes, that is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, like and the,
1: it, it, it is, and uh, you know, it's um, it is planned to have it in theaters for up to six months. And uh, the interestingly, the yeah. split is going to be fifty-seven forty-three in favor of Taylor. Uh, she and her company are the ones that are marketing it. Now, there's no uh, movie uh, company involved, and um, really? it'll yeah. be. Yeah, I read all this because it's a very big news among the AMC investors, uh, and um, it, it'll be interesting because the same day this came out, I was hearing a, a discussion uh, on uh, a sports talk show with Michelle Beadle where uh-huh. th- she's talking about the fact that there was a proposal. The ACC uh, would show football games in movie theaters, and they are basically agreeing nobody wants to go to a movie theater these days to see a football game. And yeah, it will be that. interesting to see what the uh, reaction to this is because it, it, they went the other way that they could have gone, of course, would have been to have it as a streaming event at home. Yeah, it would have made a fortune. And... Uh, I think it?
0: this is good, I think this is good for theater owners who need product. Uh, I, listen, I, I, you know, you say plans for six months, uh, I wonder if it would have a likes for four weeks, I mean I think this is what you would call, in my opinion, a very front loaded event. I think the opening weekend uh, has the potential to be pretty big. I mean obviously if you do 37 million dollars in advance ticket sales in one day, I think easily you could see uh, blowing past $100 million in its opening weekend. That would be a phenomenal... Night. I can't remember off the top of my head where a concert film uh, has had this type of an interest. I mean, I, I know this sounds trivial, but I think I brought my daughter... My daughter's now 17. I think like 7 to 10 years ago. I brought one, I brought her to a Justin Bieber concert. Uh, 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 a tape concert in a movie theater, which I thought was pretty entertaining. I don't think that any did anywhere near the numbers we're talking about. And then when Glee, the cast of Glee, which was a, is a show we liked, a like guy still in repeats, uh, they did their tape concerts uh, that played in, in 3D in a movie theater. We went, I mean, is going to the Eastern uh, Regal Theater, we went to see that. And it had a good opening weekend, but nothing like this. I mean, she is a phenomenon. Uh, I would be interesting to, to, to see uh, her, her backstory. Uh, I wonder what this tells. in. it's a three hour, almost a three hour running time. Also, Ken. But you know, when you talk about people of this magnitude in terms of pop culture over history, um, a lot of these people have had uh, you know troubled lives, uh, depressing, depressing endings. I, I don't see that uh, in, in her case. I think her life is pretty good I think she lives a healthy life I don't obviously don't know her personally but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see parallels other than the same to say like an Elvis Presley you, you yeah. I that's an interesting subject
1: yeah well her her problem of course is relationships but that's what gives her the uh, the uh, material for her songs of course she's from yeah. Burks County where I live uh, near for many really? years. Yeah. She's okay. uh, from outside the writing area. Uh, a, um, a young singer I used to have on my radio show actually opened for her uh, a couple times, once before she was Taylor Swift and then after she was. Um, and uh, she has... This tour is making her extremely rich. It's This tour is so big that it actually registered with the Federal Reserve as an element to explain an increase in economic activity, especially among hotels. And there was one state where their legislature had to go into recess because they couldn't find hotel rooms for the legislators because they were all taken by people going to Taylor Swift. The thing about this concert concert series that's been amazing is usually Eldon John comes to Philadelphia, 99% of the people there drive to the concert from their homes. Uh, This one, people are flying around the country to follow her, which is uh, kind of amazing. The thing I'll I'll be interested in, and I I go back to the movie version of Woodstock, Um, I'll be interested in in the quality because uh, filming a live outdoor concert and getting it right is not the easiest thing in the world to do. So it'll be interesting to see what the quality is like in a movie theater. It'll be interesting to see how people act in the movie theater versus how they would act in a concert. Are people going to go into the movie theater and stand the whole time? Are they going to rush the stage? You know, those kind of things. <laughs> so, no, I mean, really, it'll be very interesting because... Yeah, I
0: mean, this is a unique... I mean, she's obviously a, a, a hit a unique chord in terms of popularity. What is, I, I Listen, I haven't been to a Taylor Swift concert, but uh, like, what's the demographic... That that huh. is, is basically it, span, it spans her generationally. I mean, obviously, it attracts a lot of young, you know young young teens, early twenties. But uh, I'm assuming pretty much many age groups. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, um, especially you know, because the people that remember her you know, her start was country, and then she got more into pop. And um, so a lot of there are a lot of older people that that enjoy her. Of course, a lot of teens that enjoy her. But when you get those kind of numbers at concerts it's a lot of everybody and um, she actually has other than being apparently terrible in relationships she actually has a pretty good reputation among people and she's done a great job of marketing herself you know the story about her giving the truck drivers that uh, the haul uh, the stuff around the hundred thousand dollar bonuses she gives yeah. out money to the food bank wherever she has a uh, has a concert and so uh, uh she's doing whatever she's doing she's doing it right She's, you know, doing commercials on television, and uh, I don't think that she's going to be applying for food stamps anytime soon.
0: No, I mean, you would hope if you did uh, $2.2 billion in the concert tour, and I'm sure they're going to net about half of that. I don't know the numbers, but uh, you would hope, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things would come at it. I didn't give a thought. I, you were right. I mean, that does, you know, stimulate the economy, the hotel business, uh, so on and so forth, which she did for the truckers that were for a really very, very... Uh, cool. It'd be interesting. I am very interested to see how the film ultimately does uh, in its entire r- run. should be interesting. And actually, uh, uh, I think by uh, the announcement of that release date, that they kicked their uh, Exorcist sequel, uh, which has Ellen Burstyn in it. Uh, they kicked it from October uh, 13th, and they moved it up a week to October 6th, because they don't want to get in the way of... That uh, weekend, so be interesting. Uh, again, our our top ten list at the end of the program will be our top ten movies that we like that take place at schools. I don't think I got much to see off the top of my head uh, to talk about on this week's show. Do you get any chance to see anything you want to talk about?
1: I watched Tokyo Joe with um, Humphrey Bogart, and That's last night. night, last night I watched Wake Island. I'm, I'm I'm going into my old black and whites, but you know, other than that. Nothing new, and the thing that strikes you know, it strikes me when you look at some of these old movies now, and you say to yourself, you know, how did people watch these? They're so unwatchable. The, the uh, you know, the, where, there's, there's no special effects, and you can tell that the person that isn't actually hitting the other person, and uh, you know, it's just that it's it's such a different world when you just go back into some of the film noir and things like that. And of course, I also watched the. To Helen back the Audie Murphy story, and you realize how much we used um, movies as propaganda during the war. It's uh, right. it's really amazing the way Hollywood has morphed because I don't think we ever use it as pro- positive propaganda for wars anymore. But uh, very very interesting. I went from being the beacon of the right wing to perhaps not being the beacon of the right wing anymore.
0: Yeah, very interesting stuff I didn't get a chance to see it But I do want to see this I, I was reading an article I, did, I forgot the film festival That it uh, just opened at But there's a new Andy Kaufman uh, documentary That premiered at the film festival guy could notice uh, said they covered a lot of stuff That uh, wasn't covered in the uh, in, in the, uh, the Milo Foreman movie Man on the Moon With Jim Carrey I I told you a few weeks ago i you know, been, been watching a lot of stuff on youtube and about two months ago i started watching a lot of stuff on the career uh in life of andy kaufman who i found to be a very very fascinating uh personality to say the least hit big on taxi but did so many crazy stunts it was popular on, on letterman one of the most unique uh annoying frustrating uh partially brilliant partially not uh, personalities and history of entertainment so I am looking forward to this documentary uh, whether it'll play in theaters or just go to stream uh, I don't know but uh, it should come out before the end of the year uh, let's bounce into some other stuff uh, birthday of interest and we could talk about this for a few minutes Richard Gere turned 74 years of uh, age this week uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm certainly a uh, uh, a fan of Richard Gere. I think probably one of the first things I really liked him is in a movie called Officer and Gentleman from 1984 where he co-starred Deborah Winger, Lugasa Jr., won an Oscar, playing a drill sergeant back in 1982. Uh, I think this is a movie that sort of made, solidified Richard Gere as a major player and a movie star in the industry, Pretty Woman in in, uh, in 1990, really put him on the top of the map at that period, his chemistry with Julia Roberts was outstanding. I like him in a movie called Summer's Bee in 93, and I told a story uh, on another radio spot that I've been doing for quite some time. Uh, before I went on the air for the first time uh, in 19... Eh, actually, believe it or not, it was 1993. Me and a couple buddies. One was Mike Rex, uh on, on this station. Um, we watched the uh, night before I went on the air for the first time. We watched on Laserdisc, me, him, and a buddy, Steve... Summersby on Laserdisc uh, I saw that theatrically a couple times as co-star Jodie Foster I uh, always liked that film at a great score by Danny Elfman but if you like Richard Gere at his most likable uh, and interesting I think Summersby was a really good uh, movie he also did a film called The Mothman Prophecies that uh, I like he's had a good career still a working actor uh, a very interesting interview to say the least I think a good guy uh, on and off uh the, the, the screen. So Richard Gere can turn 74
1: years couple, old. A couple things with uh, Richard Gere. Uh, first of all, I almost put an officer and gentleman on my list of the top 10 films about schools because, of course, okay. they were at Naval Flight School. But I um, Summersbee was almost on my list last week. I don't think I put it on, but was, it's one of those ones that was on my in my list about films about somebody because it's actually based on a true, the true story of Morton Gere. It's, yes, it it's a French story and um, they and it was then it was actually done as a musical Martin Gare by the okay. same people who did uh, Les Mis but you know the old thing of if you're, if you're gonna steal somebody's identity make sure they're not murderers it always helps
0: yeah uh, and, and you know I also said on my other radio spot because had a reflection uh, talking about you know when I when I grew up especially in the in the in that time period 80s 90s uh, you know, newspaper critics uh, had had a lot of influence, and there were TV critics, and uh, one was uh, uh, Pat Collins, who, who reviewed movies on WOR at a channel, channel 9, I used to watch her all the time, and I remember when she reviewed Summersbee, uh and it was in the print over the print ad, she said, uh, Summersby a movie as good as Gone with the Wind now I like Summer Speed but you know to make comparisons and put that in writing uh, is a little bit of an overstatement and in in reflection I remember watching uh I guess the TV critics uh, Gene remember Gene Shallot on the Today Show very unique personality Joel Siegel on Good Morning America also ABC Channel 7 out of New York Uh, I I always watch Dennis Cunningham review movies uh on CBS Channel 2 out of New York. Actually, back in the day, uh, in 1979, when me and my father ventured out to see Beyond the Beside Adventure, right before we left, I remember Dennis Cunningham reviewing it on TV, and he gave it one out of ten. Sort of deflated my uh, expectation going in, and uh, yeah, the movie had a ton of problems. It was not anywhere near the original, but yeah, over time, I found it, I find it to be an enjoyable, uh, guilty uh, pleasure. Any f- critics uh, that you w- w- uh, grew up reading, Rex Reed would be another one. I was telling a buddy the other day, Rex Reed's still reviewing movies for a New, uh, a new York uh, m- magazine, which I almost find hard to believe. I think he's in his 80s. Uh, one thing about Rex Reed, he probably seen t- uh, 10,000 movies and disliked uh, 9,998 of them. Uh, that was his forte. Basically, didn't didn't like uh, anything and of course the two kings of reviews Siskel and uh, Ebert. Last thing before you speak speaking uh, I can continue on YouTube to watch uh, the old shows of Siskel and Ebert sneak views and other movies so I caught one yesterday I'm watching and it was from 1988 and on the same show uh, they reviewed Midnight Run uh, which they both raved about uh, they reviewed uh, Die Hard uh, which to me is the gr- the greatest pure action movie ever made and much to my surprise, which I knew uh, Cisco liked it, but Ebert sort of trashed on it, said that the writing with the supporting characters outside the building was amateurish I sort of giggled at that in reflection I don't think he realized he was reviewing or knocking one of the greatest movies uh, ever made, but um, you know, fun stuff watching that old stuff on YouTube You, know, you
1: asked, what, you asked you know, as far as me and uh... Which, which ones I, uh, I watched. Well, I got to tell you that uh, I, I, I always ignored critics and never read them in the newspaper and then followed them because I never agreed with them. But again, living in the Midwest for a while, always watched and read both Siskel and that were picked up by the Chicago papers.
0: I'll tell you another story which I told on the show. Uh, opening day. I think it was June 16th, 1989. I was so hyped to see Tim Burton's Batman. And I I, uh, remember Barbara Walters, 2020, the night before, doing a one-hour full special on the making of Batman, how they filmed it, the relevance, the popularity, the history of the character of Batman. So I wake up that morning and I, I lived in Brooklyn, New York at the time on 14th Street and Avenue. And I ran, literally ran down uh, to a block and a half away to the local uh, newsstand uh, and I bought the Daily News and I bought the New York Post and I opened the New York Post and it was a reviewer, a reviewer David L. Edelstein, who still uh, reviews movies and uh, he gave Batman a four star review. And then I opened the Daily News and it was a critic, her name was Kathleen Carroll and she gave it three and a half stars. And both really liked the film a lot, which, you know, I, I was happy with because, you know, in those days, you, you, well, even now, I mean, if you look forward to a movie, you want to see it get good reviews. I mean, if it gets trashed by everybody, that's usually not a good sign. You always hope for at least a split response. But when it gets really good reviews, uh, I, I, and you're, you're looking forward to a film in your height, That's a cool thing. But, you know, I used to save, uh, you know, print reviews. I had a big, uh, and I'll tell you a story, you'll laugh. Uh, a big, uh, album that I saved and I, and I had a bunch of magazines back in the day. There's a magazine called Cine Fantastic, a movie, uh, mag- a magazine that was really super cool and did great coverage. Uh, and I had a lot of premiere magazines that, uh, used to cover movies and entertainment weekly, some of the ones I had, and I had a whole bunch of that stuff. So then, as a young adult, when I moved out of my apartment with my parents, I remember going back, uh, like a year later. And I said to my mother, I said, uh, "Where's my collection?" And uh, she said, "Oh, that? Uh, I think I threw it out." <laughs> I, I remember being so, so bummed and deflated. I mean, I guess it's you know it, it, it is what it is. But uh, you know, when you look back, if you have stuff that you, you had as a child, and even simple stuff, is a, a newspaper with a review of a movie of life uh, I actually think it's very cool looking back at it many yeah, years eventually.
1: for most of us it was our, it was our uh, baseball cards that's got thrown away I, yeah. I didn't realize this till I, while you were talking because I have to find things to do while you're talking I, I sure. surf uh, my, my Facebook page and uh, it happened overnight don't know whether you saw it, but Jimmy Buffett died no, I did not see yes, that. Yes, uh, so uh, you know, I mean, this guy was such a great uh, musical artist. They named a the whole kind of restaurant after him. You know, those Buffett restaurants. But yeah, Jimmy Buffett died last night. Uh, it, it we'll probably probably hear a lot of Parrothead music this weekend for Labor Day. Uh, what actually, according to this article I was reading, and it doesn't have Taylor Swift on it yet. So they probably update it. Sixth wealthiest um, music musician. Uh, he was worth six. He was worth a billion dollars at his death, both from his wow. music and uh, his Margaritaville franchise. In fact, uh, we are uh, possibly getting a Margaritaville resort here in Ocean City, Maryland. So, uh, just some uh, startling news: Jimmy Buffett dead at the age of seventy-six.
0: Okay, breaking uh, news: RIP uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, now, speaking of Batman, September sixteenth. We have uh, Batman Day, uh, September 16th, and for Batman Day last year, I think they released uh, Burton's uh, first two Batman movies this year in theaters for one day. Uh, a lot of the multiplexers are going to release, uh, re-screen re-scre- uh, uh, Chris Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, Batman Begins, which is actually my favorite superhero movie of all. Time I find it the most accessible and repeatable for me for, for whatever reason. The Dark Knight, uh, Heath Ledger as a Joker, probably the most critically acclaimed superhero movie of all time, and then The Dark Knight Rises, flawed but still very good. So September 16th, Batman Day, uh, Chris Nolan's uh, great, uh, I think iconic Batman trilogy to be watched back on the uh, big screen. Could you be motivated to see that, Ken? Uh,
1: possibly. I mean, I, I did like The Dark Knight. I would prefer if they would do like a six-hour marathon of the ABC television show from the 60s, Batman.
0: I'll tell you something. Uh, I love the TV series from the 60s, but i got to tell you, uh, a couple weeks ago, and this it off the top of my head, I said, let me, I was at my ice cream parlor, I wanted to put on a movie, and I said, let me put something on. I put on Bat, the Batman movie from 66 that spun off on the TV show, and i got to tell you, it didn't hold up. Uh, and because it, its reputation, as it was rushed. I mean, there's that one scene with, where Adam West Batman uh, is running around with the the, the bomb. Uh, I thought it was very funny. But overall, it's a pretty flat, pretty stale movie. The TV show was terrific uh, and iconic, but the movie that they produced uh, really was rushed and flat. It has a couple good moments, but overall, uh, I do not think it. I not think it held up.
1: Didn't have all the special effects and all that the uh, TV show had. that sarcasm.
0: Yeah. Now, speaking of re-releases, uh, for fans of John Carpenter, uh, actually, this this Sunday, which will be September uh, 3rd, Phantom event, uh, John Carpenter's They Live, starring the late, great Roddy Piper, will be in theaters. Uh, check your local showtimes. It's going to be showing at the Cinemac in Strasbourg. uh, uh, Strasburg Cinema Mall at 4 p.m. I might actually venture out to go see it. I'm a big fan. I loved Roddy Piper, the, the, the late, great Roddy Piper passed away. Uh, it's been a while now. I think it was, uh, it's was. it been like a decade since Piper passed away. I thought he did a great job. You know, the stories of John Carpenter going to wrestle. Mania 3, meeting Piper. Piper always told those funny stories, staying you know, basically in character that Carpenter told him, hey Roddy, you know, there's no more real men left in Hollywood, I need you to be in my movie, I have this idea, but what's fascinating about They Live Kent, it's very thought provoking uh, about consumerism and government control, has a lot of fascinating ideas about how human beings basically Check your local listings. It's a Phantom event. You ever see they live?
1: I believe I did. Uh, my memory starts it, it fading. Really is- I remember it well, actually. Uh, my okay. I remember my sister being a big fan of it, and yeah. um, I believe the last episode was actually delayed, and I forget I forget the reason why. But yeah, it was it was a it was a, a very popular show for a while, and uh, of course, as a lawyer, you know you follow the case of uh, Doctor Shepard, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's the case that made F. Lee Bailey. Famous. In fact, it might be his only really big win. The guy lived his entire life on the laurels of that case.
0: Yes, he did. Yes, yes, yes he did. And obviously, Harrison Ford, you know, uh, uh, non Han Solo, non Indiana Jones, really one of the, his plum roles, playing Richard Kimball in the movie version back in 1993, directed by Andrew Davis, co starring Tommy Jones, who won an Oscar uh, for, for Best su- su- Supporting uh, Actor um you know it's interesting because we talked about this on on the program you know tv shows have garnered massive ratings i still harken back and reflect and think i mean t- to 110 million people tuned into the last episode of mash back in the i think it was 82. i mean I, you think about that ken from a pop culture standpoint from a collective experience of, of americana um you know it's usually 78 million but mash 110 million people that's incredible and if you go on youtube and you Google that, and you see people sitting in bars watching M.A.S.H. in droll. I mean, think about that. I mean, think about 2023 to a time period where all those people watching those shows, it's, it's just so different.
1: Yeah, and I, I can remember where I was and when I was watching M.A.S.H., and that's how I know that it's actually 1983 because I was in, okay, I'm still in law right. school in 82, and I was living in Mishawaka, Indiana in 83, and I remember watching it at that time, and great, great final episode. One of the one of the ones that got it right.
0: Yeah, uh, great. Now, before we get on to our main topic of our top uh, 10 movies that we recommend that take place in the school setting, whether it's high school or college, uh, one other thing, uh, this, this week in movie history, 1978, uh, George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead premiered at a film festival. I think one of the most fascinating movies of all time. It would be in my top 25 Best movies for me, favorites of all time. I think it's uh, it, it mostly played uh, and garnered a lot of steam box office-wise. at Midnight shows, playing Saturdays for years. When it came out, there were two, as I stated so many times on the show, two popular midnight movies. One was a Rocky Horror Picture Show, which still plays to this day. Midnight shows on Saturday nights and does a lot of uh, tours uh, with live uh, actors. uh Around the country But Dawn of the Dead uh, One of the greatest Zombie movie of all time To me The Gone with the Wind Of zombie movies uh, Produced on a budget Of a million dollars Shot at the Monroeville Mall In Monroeville, Pennsylvania An amazing movie I still find it Incredibly fascinating To watch Especially on the big screen So Dawn of the Dead George A. Romero Mm -hmm. uh, Horror Hall of Fame What a great Great uh, movie Especially to watch it In uh, October For the Halloween uh season you fan of dawn of the dead ken
1: not really okay not Fair my genre enough.
0: understood let's bounce into our uh main topic this week our top 10 movies uh in the school setting uh i'll let you start 10 through 6 and then we'll both uh, interject here
1: okay well i'm gonna start with number 10 uh maybe may a little bit unusual choice but i just watched this with my grandchildren um last month and uh I really like it. I, n- I never saw the original Monsters Inc. until after I saw Monsters University. But Monsters University actually a pretty good um, show with a nice message to it, and uh, somehow they, you know, they're able to make those monsters uh, to where they don't scare kids, and kids actually like them. So my number ten is Monsters Inc. in part because I, looking at my printouts here, I had one movie down twice, so I had to go back to my list quickly and scramble. My number 9, and I'm going to television, but you can't do a list of school without this. I mean there's two television uh series that we associate, you know, one was Room 222 with the late Michael Considine and Karen Valentine, but of course in the uh 70s and early actually it was all oh, they ended in the 70s. Didn't realize it only ran for 4 years, but It is uh, Gabe Kaplan and uh, Welcome Back Cotter, which of course gave us Up Your Nose with a Rubber Hose, gave us Vinnie Barbarino, gave us all those great characters, and I'm gonna mention this, but just a little interesting tidbit, because she was born in New Jersey, but grew up actually in Northeastern Pennsylvania. I believe she graduated from Stroudsburg High School. And Deborah Lee Scott, who played Hotsi Totsi in the show, um, was a great television game player, believe it or not. Um, as a you know, as a female sweat hog, uh, she was actually extremely intelligent. She once on Celebrity Family Feud scored first. She scored 176 in the first round of Fast Money, and only, so Robert Hayes only needed 24 points to to get the money, which he did but she didn't like the fact that you know they they had to rely on somebody else the next show after they defeated the dukes of hazard she scored 234 points becoming one of the uh, very few people ever to win fast money on their own so very interesting because a little bit different than her uh, her tv personality as you mentioned glee before well, I mean, this is, this is, I think, really what gave rise to Glee and some other shows. And that would be a, a Disney film from 2006. I mean, yes, it is a, it was, you know, a TV, a Disney TV film, but they, they made it into three of them and uh, made stars of people like Zac Efron and uh, Vanessa Hudgens and others. And, of course, that is High School Musical. I can remember... Going to 2007, going to a hockey game with my grandson and my granddaughter. The granddaughter loved the hockey game. She was very young at the time. She liked the guys getting slammed up at the boards. My grandson would have preferred to be home watching High School Musical because I was involved in the Freddie Awards, a, a local Tony Award type of uh, show uh, back then. I mean, I was very active in High School Musicals, and uh, this was one of those shows that actually made High School Musicals Cool. So my number eight would be High School Musical. My number seven was a movie, but I, I'm going to cheat. But it's, it's a movie, but it also before that was a television show. And it, it starred Holly Robinson, Pete. And it okay. starred Johnny Depp back before Johnny Depp was weird. Uh, and it was 21 Jump Street.
0: I was a big fan.
1: Which um, I was a big fan because it was one of those shows... That made its way over to Sky TV in the UK, and we were always looking for any American content when we were living in the UK because BBC would give you things like yeah. the the mating life of bumblebees and things uh-huh. like that, and so that was. I've Gotta get my get my get my list here. That would be my number. Actually, I say my seven. That's my number seven. I guess it is. Because I, because I skipped something here, and my numbers... You know,
0: you, know, you, know, you know, it's interesting about 21 Jump Street. That was, I think, like at the cusp of when the Fox network uh, got off the ground. I was one of the, the first big hits on on that uh, network, also beside Johnny Depp, which he went on to do uh, 20, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in, in 1984 and then became a movie star. But remember, Richard Rich Grieco became a name... Of uh, that, and Dom, Dom Del Deluise's son Peter yeah. Deluise is yeah. on that show. Yeah, I was a good. It was a really solid show. I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, and um, it, 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 my, it was uh, as you say one of the one of the big uh, forays of Fox into live action because for a while we thought all they could do was uh, the comics. Of course, Married with Children also being in that genre, but uh, a very uh, very good show, and it was. Uh, It was interesting to say the least uh, to see johnny depp before he really did get weird but that's okay number six i saw this on my 10th wedding anniversary um and um yeah we didn't get to see didn't get to see very many movies uh, when the kids were young and i've mentioned it before but robin williams of course in a more of a uh, serious role although he worked a little comedy in it and it it was of course dead poet society which is about him teaching at a private school that he used to go to, and yep. the reboot of the Dead Poet Society that he had been a member of when he was at Welton, and it made us all familiar with the Latin phrase "Carpe Diem," seize the day. So that's my number six, Dead Poet Society. Uh,
0: good, good, good. Picks. I went mostly. I went all movies. I didn't go TV. But in re- in retrospect. Uh, I, I could have did, i remember this TV show called The White Shadow that took place at a school. I was a big fan of that. You know, when you talk about Welcome Back, Carter, what popped in my head, I always remembered what was interesting about that show. Uh, and I would be curious to see how it h- would hold up on, on, on re- repeated viewing all these years later. But they always did a bookend. The, the show, 99% of the show took place in the classroom. This, it was basically one, one set. They used one set, probably used one camera to shoot it, but the, they always bookended the show with Gabe uh, Kaplan, Mr. Cotter, and his wife would be would be talking uh, at home. I know he didn't get a, along with the actress who played his wife in real life. He was a very interesting person and interesting ca- uh, t- uh, talent, I think, Gabe Kaplan. I also remember him doing Battle Network Stars, uh, which me and Mike talked about so many times on this program. Uh, that was iconic for my memory. Uh, Show with Howard Cosell Announced in all the stars Of different networks uh, Did sporting events It's Just super cool But yeah Those are good picks Here's my number 10 I went with uh, 10 through 6 Now my number 10 is Grease Rydell High 1978 The movie uh, John Travolta Living John As you stated last week Stockard Channing The oldest uh, High school student Of uh, all time I still think a tremendous and actually for people in the northeast uh, Pocono area for listening to the show uh, third Saturday this month we're going to do a uh, screening for our spotlight series of Grease to wrap up the back to summer back to school uh, setting so that's something fun to do number nine this is a movie 10 I really like Leon May from 1989 Morgan Freeman as real, the real life principal uh, of a New Jersey uh, inner city school Joe Clark I remember first seeing Joe Clark Morton Downey Jr. show, which aired on WR Channel 9. I I love that show. Uh, he was groundbreaking. Morton Downey Jr. for many a reason. Some good, some good, some not. But the fact-based movie *Lean on Me*, directed by John G. Avildsen, who did *The Karate Kid*. movie called uh, Can't, Buy, Can't Buy Me Love, from 1987. Uh, a movie about high school popularity, being popular, being not popular, at the price of it. Patrick Dempsey, who went on to big things on Grey's Anatomy, starred in this movie. He was super appealing in this film. It was a sleeper hit. I'll tell you a quick story, Ken. The original title of this movie was not Can't Buy Me Love. They shot it, they put it in the can because they weren't sure how commercially viable it was. Somebody got the idea to use the Beatles song as the title and promote it, and it became a a nice-sized sleeper hit. I'm a big fan, Can't Buy Me Love. That's my number eight. My number seven, I talked about it last week on a different topic, but uh, it would be the principal from 87 with James Bellucci and Lou Gossett Jr. Uh, Bellucci playing it mostly straight. I did a lot of comic works, but mostly straight as a guy who becomes the principal of an inner-city school and, again, tries to clean up a bad element. Um, I saw this in the theater in '87, uh, multiple times. Always had big crowds in the first two weekends. I think it's a unique movie with a good turn by Jim Bellucci, Also, Luke you Jr. very good. That's my number seven. And my number six, Ken, is a movie called Whiplash, uh, which I think is a intense movie uh, that got an Oscar, an Oscar for J.K. Simmons, displaced uh, uh, in a, a school that he teaches music to miles teller this is one of the most intense movies i've ever seen i remember sitting in a theater literally dripping s- sweat uh, I-, I couldn't believe how involving this film was probably in in, in the career of jk simmons who's done a ton of good work mostly known for jake uh jay jones jane jameson in the spider-man movies my goodness was he tremendous uh, as an anti-villain uh, in-, in-, in this movie good work by Mouth teller also so whiplash would be my uh,
1: Number 6 You're probably the only person in the world who thinks that's what he's best known for. He's actually best known for, of course, right. for uh, those farmers' uh, insurance commercials. But, uh, I'm sure he's made a lot of coin off those commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, my, my number five uh, from 1980 starred the late Irene Cara, I think recently late, Laura Dean yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Ann Mirror was in it as well, Boyd Gaines. And, of course, it is uh, Fame, which is about the... New York City High School Performing Arts and follows these students from their freshman auditions all the way through the senior years and uh, it is basically high school musical except with uh, a little bit more of an adult uh, adult uh, feeling to it Um, but it gave us some uh, pretty good music and uh, was a uh, very successful film back in 1980 so that's my number five The 1980 film, Fame.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked the TV show. Uh, A lot of talent involved, uh, both behind and in front of the camera with those uh, projects. My number five, uh, I'm going to go with a movie called Heathers from 1988. I did not see this in a movie theater. Discovered it on VHS. I became a big fan. It's a dark comedy directed by a guy named Michael Lehman, whose career sort of crashed and burned when he did Hudson Hawk uh, two years Later, but this is a cult movie. Winona Ryder, Christian Slater. I think Christian Slater, for me, uh, became uh, a big a big name off this movie. I thought his work was terrific. The last fifteen minutes, uh, where he's holding up uh, a, a, a bomb at the school, you have to see it to understand it. But I just think it's fascinating stuff. Uh, it's 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 funny. In a dark way, but good performances by Winona Ryder and especially Christian Slater. I am a big fan of Heather's. A true definition of a cult movie that got discovered after its theatrical release because it didn't did not do well theatrically, but gained and continues to gain an audience to this day. So my number five, Heather's from 1988.
1: Very good. My number four, and I mean everybody knows I'm a graduate of Notre Dame, and I love those stirring speeches and this movie might have the most stirring speech and the most inspiring speech i've ever heard especially for people that are up against it and they feel like quitting and giving up and giving up did we give up when the germans bombed pearl harbor no i wasn't talking about newt rock the all-american i was in fact talking about animal house which um Oh, cool! One of the, one of the, and one of the best speeches ever. His, uh, ber- his Germans ber- bombing Pearl Harbor. His locker room speech in that is amazing. Somebody looks at the, somebody else goes Germans. They go I just let them go. Uh, this movie not only was it you know produced by Ivan Reitman who did a few things, but you had John Belushi, Tim Matheson, Vera Bloom, Tom Halsey, who would win the Academy Award for Amadeus. Of course, was in Animal House and. Who could forget Donald Sutherland? But uh, just you're great. You know, there's so many things that you remember: uh, John Belushi uh, impersonating a pimple, uh, the food yep. fight, uh, the the girls in the sorority, senator uh, Senator Blutowski, Blutowski in the end, and all that stuff. But great movie, great fun. 1978. I do remember seeing this. In the movie theater, and that would be Animal House. If
0: that was was made and released in 2023, does it radiate? Is it a hit?
1: I think you could make it one. In, in, I I think you could, yeah.
0: Okay, I, I think I just think the landscape is very different. But back in the day, certainly touched a massive nerve. Good pick. My number four. I went with School of Rock uh to me this is the definitive movie in the career of jack black i remember sitting in a movie theater it's opening day me and my wife went to the regal movie theater in easton to see this in the afternoon uh when i watched it i gotta tell you i said to myself you know what this movie has the potential to become uh a classic generationally and i think it has i think uh it still has it has a a big fan base it's it was, I think, really re- released uh, over 20 years ago. Now, uh, School of Rock, Jack Black, highly entertaining uh, as, a, as a character. Dewey, uh, Dewey Finn, who uh, interprets, who imposters a, a substitute school teacher, Mr. Sneedley, uh, and teaches music to uh, a group of uh, young students at a uh, high school. Very entertaining movie. Jack Black, a unique talent. Uh, never better, in my opinion. School of Rock a classic movie
1: that's my number four my number three is actually one uh, produced one of the top songs of the 1960s and uh, also it's, it's very much akin to a movie from the 1950s that I almost put on the list starring Glenn Ford Blackboard Jungle but I use this one because more people know it it starred of course Sidney Poitier and Lulu as well as The Mindbenders and a few others it was set in London, and, of course, it was To Serve With Love, a uh, very, good, uh, movie. Very, very good movie, um, a little edgy at times for its time. And, um, of course, it had that song that we all know, To Serve With Love. So that is my number three.
0: Uh, good, really good pick. Here's my number three, and I've become a big fan of this <clears> movie. I didn't see it in, this, in a movie theater, actually, but it, I caught it. Uh, on uh, on Blu-ray, and I watch it on streaming uh, at least uh, a few times a year. And it's Here Comes the Boom, uh, to me, my favorite Kevin James movie. And I got to say, I've grown to really dig the work of Kevin James. This movie came out in 2012. The co-stars Henry Winkler and Selma Hayek. Uh, it was produced by Adam Sandler's production company. Uh, and what makes this work is that it's 70, uh, you know, fairly serious, 30 percent comedy. Uh, It's about a a teacher who tries to raise money for the music program led by Henry Winkler uh, by doing mixed martial arts fighting. Kevin James gets very physical in this movie. The fights are pretty brutal. Uh, It mixes different tones, which I like, but it never gets so goofy that uh, it doesn't take away its poignancy. It has a good, strong emotional impact. Kevin James is really good. This is a very entertaining movie that got sort of a split reaction by critics. The ones who didn't like it, I don't know what they were watching because this movie's good. I mean, it's really good. Uh, It's a great time killer. Uh, It's currently on some streaming service. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's really good. Here Comes the Boom, uh, a good movie that takes place at a high school that has a good feel, good community feel about a guy doing something good in life. I like Kevin James a lot in this movie. That's my number three, Ken
1: my number two what's the you know the good news is it's got ingrid bergman the bad news is she plays a nun so she's in a habit all the time (laughs) and it is the bells of saint mary's just a great uh, combination of bing crosby as the priest and ingrid bergman as the nun and just their interplay and their butting heads and you know the only person probably in history that was happy when she found out she had tuberculosis and that's why They were sending her away from the school, at least temporarily. So, number two, Bells of St. Mary's.
0: Good pick. My number two uh, is a movie that came out in the great year of genre movies, 1984. Uh, I saw this movie like five times in a movie theater. It's called Teachers with Nick Nolte, uh, Joe Beth Williams, Ralph Macho. It's a movie uh, that is directed by Arthur Hiller. It's a very intricate, interesting movie about the public school system. And how broken it is. Nick Nolte uh, played a, a teacher. The school's being sued uh, by a student whose parents felt that he wasn't taught right. Uh, Christopher Glover is also in this movie. Uh, Morgan Freeman and one of, I think one of his first roles. Judd Hirsch also is, is in this movie. Lee Grant. Uh, Nick Nolte. Oh, and also uh, Laura Dern plays a student. In this movie has a terrific cast. Very thought-provoking movie. Nick Nolte who. Uh, I think was, was a t- tremendous, uh, unique talent. I was a big fan, I think this movie is one of his best from 84. I know Nick Nolte, when he filmed this movie, he was dealing with a lot of personal demons. Uh, and he looks a little haggard, to say the least, but I think that fits into his character. Uh, I am a big fan of Teachers from 1984. If you want to watch a movie about schools, this is a good one, Ken,
1: Teachers. Okay, well you stole my my number 1, you used it as your number 10. I'm not going to repeat it. Uh, and my my number my alternate number 1. I I was changing my list as I went around here. Um it is about a teacher and it's about education, it's about learning and it is the king and I because of course Anna is the teacher of the king's children. I mean, she's got a a one class, you know, one room schoolhouse. She's also educating the the king, and it's about education, it's about learning. So I'm going to go my number one about school because not all schools have to be traditional buildings and all that kind of stuff. It would be the King and I with Yul Brynner, um, the uh, musical from the 1950s. Good pick.
0: Now let me ask you a question: Yul Brynner, uh, why was he po- po- why was he so popular back in his time?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, that one, he was popular because he played a great role and he was very, he was, he was, even though he was a bit um, rough, he was lovable. Uh, I I think I he
0: was very interesting looking.
1: That's right. And that the, the, the bald head, I think uh, it was his gimmick.
0: I agree. Uh, Here's my number one. To me, it's a no brainer. I talk about this many times on the the show last year or earlier. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Earlier this year, I did a screening of it at the Pocono Cinema for the ESU girls basketball team. I don't think they last because I just think they didn't get the humor generationally. But for me, Back to School, with Ronnie Dangerfield is my favorite movie that takes place at a school. This time at college, playing a, a lovable, rich guy who goes, back, who goes to college for the first time uh, at an older age to bond with his son, uh, played, guy, played by Keith Gordon, uh, Robert Downey Jr. co-stars in this movie. I think it's a love letter to uh, parent uh, and and kid relationships. I think it works on multiple levels. Uh, It's one of the great comic vehicles for a stand-up comic of all time. Wonderful. Very good. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Does uh, a good, does uh, a good show to the audience. at whoa, Thanks for listening to a podcast audience. Thank you very much, Ken. I'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: cast by Federated Media.